Good morning, everyone. Uh, before we send kids off, um, want to make an announcement. We had a few families or a family join last week in membership. We have two more or three more people. We have Olin and Melanie Hobart and John Fletcher. They have also uh, said that they want to be members here. And yeah, he was by. Okay. So uh, excited that uh, we're just, we're growing kind of like my belly after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so kids, four year, uh, five years old through fourth grade, come right here. Oh, you're like, what's going on? Right up here, please, real quick. Yep, come up here. Okay, come closer to the stage, and then you're going to turn around and look at the audience, and the audience is going to sing a song, because most of them know this song, okay? If you guys know this song, which I know some of you do, you're going to sing with them, okay? All right, so today we're going to be going over the wise and the foolish builder. And so there's a little song that many of you should know, okay? If I know it, then anybody my age and older should definitely know it. So you guys need to sing it to make sure these guys know it. You guys show the motions if you know it. Ready? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Sing. Wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Okay, wait a minute. This is the preschooler's favorite part next, okay? When I teach this, right? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon... Do that. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. Now you know it. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sand went flat. All right, I know there's one more verse, but you guys can go. All right. Good job. Good job, audience. Uh, all right. So I have a, a question for all of you who are still here. How many of you have never moved from the house you're living in now? One, two, three. Okay. How many of you have moved once, like after you got married, you finally moved? You've lived in less than five homes. How many of you have lived in less than five homes? Okay. Yeah, you raise your hand. Jesse can't count. Okay. All right. So I'm going to tell you something. I have moved several times. Um, since being married, my wife and I, we have moved 11 times. It's not that bad. Before that, I moved another nine. Before that. So I've moved and lived in 20 different houses. Yeah, I know how to move. Moving's great because you get rid of a bunch of junk you don't need because you can't afford to move it and pack it. So whenever we are looking at houses, when we have to move, there are things that we want to see that are good, that are, and then there are things that are not so good. Early when we were married, we were looking for a place, and uh, Casey went with her mom to look at this place. 
They walked down in the basement, you know, wanted to make sure it was okay. And along this pipe was something that started moving. It was a big black snake. We didn't move into that place for some reason. Yeah. Um, the house, one house we looked at was very cute. We had high hopes for it, had a great porch. Um, the kids' stairs would have been upstairs, had enough bathrooms. But as we were walking, we were going like this because the floor was slanted. Not, not a big deal. Maybe it just needs some braces and support. So we went downstairs and looked. And not only were the floor joists cracked, but so was the whole foundation. It was messed up. And I was talking to somebody who was there. and In fact, one of the cracks, it had dirt coming in to the basement. We could have tried to fix the joists. But there would still be a crack there. And, and talking to the guy we were seeing the house with, he says, you can do everything you can, but until this is fixed, cracks are going to start appearing in all the walls. The floors are always going to stay that way. If you don't stabilize the foundation, it's just going to be a patchwork of cracks everywhere. Everywhere in our culture, we see cracks. We see cracks in our relationships, in our families, and in our lives, and a lot of time and energy is spent to patch up the cracks so we can look good, but the question we're going to answer today is, what about the foundation? We're in a short sermon series called um, Go Tell It on the Mountain, and we're looking at collection of Jesus' teachings to a very large crowd. These teachings are usually called the Sermon on the Mount because he's giving a sermon on the mountain. Very clever design and way to describe it. We're going to look at two builders today. And as we look at these builders, I want us all to answer a question. Which builder are you? Which builder am I? Ask that. So let's read in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Anyone who listens, Jesus is saying here, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, then the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, and it'll collapse with a mighty crash. Now, the first thing we're going to notice is these two builders have similarities. There are things they have into common. If you look at verse 24 and 26, they'll be up on the screen, just these two verses. Anyone who listens to my teaching, anyone who listens, okay, and, and they're building a house. So the no, first thing we're going to notice is both these guys, the first thing they have in common, they have the same plan. They want to build a house. And both men build this house. They wanted to build a life of significance. Now, build a house in Scripture doesn't literally mean build a structure. In this passage, it refers to building a life. And Jesus is talking about two men who attend, attempt to build up their lives. Nobody wants to build and have it fail. I've seen houses where they, they start the structure and then a, a wind came that night and it's all collapsed. You, you, weren't thinking, you didn't think those people were like, oh goody, I get to start over again. Nobody wants to have a failed or fallen down life. 
No one wants to live a life of destruction. Most people don't plan to waste their lives. No couple gets married planning, um, planning on their wedding day thinking, well, I hope we make it seven years before we divorce. They don't plan that. Most families don't desire for a breakdown between parents and children. Families don't want to live in constant conflict. That's not their desire. They want to build a house, a home that is happy. And these two builders had the same plan to build a life, to build a home. Second thing these two men had in common, these two builders had, is they had the same teacher. They both knew the word of God because Jesus said, anyone who hears... So it was the same person teaching. It was the same person giving them instruction. They were both sitting at the feet of Jesus. So they had the same plan, and they had the same teacher. They were both exposed to the same truth. A third similarity these guys had is that both builders faced the same storm. Jesus said that after they were built, the, the wind, the rain, and the waves came. They experienced the same thing. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to experience storms. But in me, you'll have peace. But this world, you're going to have storms. But take, take comfort in knowing I have overcome all the trials and the storms of this world. Jesus promises we are going to have storms. Life isn't just a sunny day. These builders had the same plan, the same teacher, and they were exposed to the same storm. And that's where the similarities end. Jesus called them two different things. He called the first one, what kind of a builder? The wise builder. And he called the second one a a fool. While they had a lot of things in common, you can see right away their directions are totally different. In the Bible, to be wise is your ability to apply spiritual truth to life's realities. I didn't make that up. I read it in the commentary. So I want you to hear it because I think it's really good. Wisdom is your ability and your decision to apply spiritual truth to life's decisions. It's not about knowledge. It's about application. That's what wisdom, a person who is wise, a fool on the other hand, has absolutely nothing to do with your degrees. Whether you have a bachelor's, MDA, a PhD, it doesn't matter. I have met very educated fools. They're really intelligent and dumb. I mean, haven't you? And then I've seen people who didn't even graduate high school and they have full of wisdom. So it's not about knowledge. Wisdom goes beyond knowledge and information. It has so much to do with knowing how to make decisions and when to make those decisions. These two builders had things in common, but they had a major difference. One was wise knowing when to apply spiritual truth, and the other one was a fool. Jesus says the wise man built his house, his life, his family, his involvement in society on a rock, on a foundation. And later on, it's got the word bedrock. Do you know where you find bedrock? Anywhere? 
under. What'd you say? Minecraft. Minecraft. Oh, my goodness. The Flintstones, that's where you'll find bedrock, yeah. Okay, that was his joke, but I wish I would have thought of it. Okay, so bedrock isn't just on the surface. You have to dig down to find it. And so this wise man, what did he have to do? He had to work and toil to find the right spot to build a house. He didn't just go do it. He searched. He worked. He was intentional. But the fool built his house, his life, his family, his community engagement on sand. Where do you find sand? Anywhere. At the beach. Farmers. Yes, so beach. Where is, is there a lot of stability on the beach? No. These two men started in different places with the same plan, the same knowledge, and the same storm coming, but they were totally different. And we're living in a day, day today where the Word of God is not where people start. So many times when people need to make a decision, they don't go to the Word of God. They go to culture. They go to sand. And then they're like, well, maybe if I go to Scripture now. You know, because looking into Scripture is hard. I'm going to have to dig through the pages. I'm going to have to try and find the understanding. And it'd just be easier to go sit over here on the sand. And, and I'll just do this and deal with the consequences later. Can you imagine building a new house, and the first thing you do is set the windows and the doors? What's going to happen? It's going to fall. It's not going to work. Nothing can hold it up. And yet, that's what so many people do when they go to the sand instead of looking for the bedrock. Without trying to build an, on a proper foundation. Instead, so many people try to build and make decisions based on feelings. Who here wanted to be an astronaut when they grew up? Well, only six of us? Okay, who wanted... That's, I expected a lot more. Space is not scary. Ohio's scary. <laughs> okay. Who here wanted to be like a rock star? Four people. Okay, none of you have big dreams, do you? Okay, come on, like a movie star. The same four who wanted to be rock star. Okay, so I'll just go back to the astronaut thing. I wanted to be an astronaut. I just th thought that'd be so cool. Plus, my mom said my head was full of space so it would work. She really did say that one time. But I had this feeling that it'd be great. Then I wanted to be a race car driver. Oh, that'd be fun. Driving real fast. The problem is I just think racing's dumb because all you do is a left turn. That's boring. Then I wanted to be a lawyer. Rich and likes to argue. Good. I know I'm right. All of those were based on feelings. A lot of us had feelings this last Thursday. You saw that turkey and the mashed potatoes, and man, I want some more, but your belly was saying no. But you had that feel, I just want some more. 
We base our lives, so many people base our lives on feelings instead of the foundation of Jesus. Even though they had the same teacher, the same plan, the difference was in their action. The difference was in their faith. And really look at that. It says, the wise man who hears my instructions and obeys it has faith to follow through. The foolish man heard it and discarded it. That's based on faith. Christians will listen to Jesus' words. They will listen to his scripture and still choose to build their lives on sand. One of the reasons that issues are not being addressed in our personal lives, in our families, in our churches, and by believers in our society is because acting on God's word first is not our priority. And I'm saying our. It needs to be all of us. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. What kind of builders are we talking about? Wise and Fool, Let, let's just leave that up. Otherwise, you're only a fool. Oh, I can repeat God's word. I can tell you what it says. But if I don't actually do it, I'm a fool. God calls us to act before we understand. We're to obey when God tells us to do something or not to do something. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. We're supposed to step into his promises and his knowledge before we know what's there. Because that means we've got our eyes on him, not on the things around us. Many people can say amen to, um, to truth they are hearing, but unless they obey the truth, it's worthless. Jesus says the fool did not act. He did not obey the truth. So I'm going to say it one more time. One of the reasons we're seeing so much defeat in our churches, in our Christians, in our families' lives is because we don't start with God. We start with man, and then we invite God in later, and there's no power in that. Many Christians are not allowing the Word of God to determine who they are. I was told this when I was young, before you date... Start praying for your spouse. Pray for God's wisdom in choosing. Good thing my wife didn't do that. But why didn't we want to do that back then? Because I want to choose based on these, not based on God. Then I started telling my kids the same thing. Even before you move, before you look at a house, pray. Before you accept a job or look at a job, pray. Before you start any friendship, before you end any friendship, pray. Seek God's wisdom before, so you can stand on that, not feelings. And Christians, we've got to get back to God's word, standing on his principles. Do you know that God allows storms into your life? He allows them. And even at times, those storms are very important to God's plan to work out in your life. Storms are great tests of our faith, of our devotion to God. Storms reveal our foundation. 
Life can look just fine, but when trouble comes, the reality, the reality could be we are living on sand. And the storm could come to show us that we need to move to his foundation. In Mark 4, it's a spectacular event of Jesus and his disciples, starting verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats did follow. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That's a life preserver, Jesus, not a pillow. And he's sleeping. It's a strong wind, and the waves are coming in, breaking. How many of you could sleep in that? The spray, a few of you, you've heard my sermons before. The disciples woke him up and noticed the next word, shouting. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? He was asleep on a pillow. Have you ever been in a storm of your life? Things are crashing in around you and you're like, God, where are you? How can you be sleeping at the wheel when I am drowning? You can feel like God's nowhere to be located. Have you ever noticed that when you're going through some of your deepest fears, heaven seems silent? You can't get through to him. It seemed like God's far off in the distance. The Bible says Jesus was so asleep they had to shout to wake him up. And then verse 39. When Jesus woke up, notice the word when. That means it wasn't immediately. When he woke up, so they were shouting, and that's an active verb. They were shouting and shouting. And then he woke up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. The word great right there is actually the word megas, which is where we get the word mega. A mega calm. And then he asked them, why? Are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Once Jesus woke up, he turned and said, Why are you so afraid? Was Jesus afraid? He was sleeping comfortably. He knew what the storm was. And what did this storm do for the disciples? It exposed their foundation, which was fearful. And it wasn't on Jesus. You want to know why we're so timid? You want to know, um, you really want to know, Jesus, why we're so fearful, Jesus? Look at the wind. Can you imagine? Jesus gets up. Why are you so scared? Wind waves? Have you checked Weatherbug lately? But notice he didn't say that first. He turned, he woke up, looked at them, be still. And in the midst of that mega calm, why are you so afraid? You ever been on a, on a lake? I've seen it at Lake James very early in the morning. There's no ripples. The water looks like glass. And you can go out there and actually talk and your, your voice just kind of carries across. And so in this mega calm, he didn't shout like they had to. 
why are you so afraid? And his authoritative voice, almost maybe even in a whisper, carried across. Jesus commands the, the calm in the storm. He turns to the disciples, the men who have walked with Jesus, the men who have seen Jesus' authority over sickness, disease. These men knew Jesus, and he says, why have you had so little faith? He is really saying, why do you doubt me? And when we're going through storms in our life and we can't figure out what's going on, why do we doubt Jesus? It's because we put our eyes on the storm. We put our eyes on the circumstances. Remember, these disciples in this boat, they all agreed to get in the boat with Jesus. They all agreed to go over to the other side. They'd already seen him do miracles, but they all chose fear over faith. Just because we hear the words of Jesus does not mean we will live and actively engage on them. Let's go to the parable of the wise and foolish. Matthew 7.25, Though the rain came in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Verse 27, When the rains and the floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Same storm, but two drastically different results. There are huge storms raging all around us today. Politics, finances, education, families, wars in other countries. We have storms. And Jesus said when the fool's house fell, it fell with a mega, mighty crash. And the reason is this storm revealed the foundation, what this house stood on. Foundations are designed to give strength and security. And our foundation will be revealed when those storms hit. And here's a hard truth for all of us to accept. You can't fix the foundation in the middle of the storm. It's too late. When a hurricane comes, the people don't, don't go, Oh, hey, the eye of the hurricane's here. We better board up the windows now. They don't see the floodwaters coming and say, we better start bagging sand. You can't do it in the middle of the storm. You choose before. See, a lot of Christians want God to do something in the middle of it. We want God in the middle of our storm to step in. And yet, way before the storm came... We didn't want anything to do with him. We just wanted to live our life our own way. And Jesus says, therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, he is a wise man and builds his house on a rock. The only distinction between these two houses, the only distinction between the two who hear well, do, or do well and do good, and depart from me. It's they did well, he was wise. The other one is he did not do well, and he left in a mighty crash. One builds on the rock, one builds on sand. The result is the house built on rock is firm. The last verse of that song is so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build, and it keeps repeating, Lord Jesus Christ. 
So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will come down. The blessings don't come down after the storm. They come before. You've got to build on it before. My friends, it cannot be more clear than it is right here. Anything other than what you do for the Lord is going to one day collapse around you. Do you realize America will fall one day? Whether it's through governments, whether it's through war, or whether it's when God destroys the earth, America will not stand. The Rocky Mountains will be laid low. The oceans will dry up. This world is nothing compared to the glory of God, and one day it's going to end. Those new technology things we all want to have, worthless in the long scheme. Those cars that we spend so much money on are going to rust and fall apart. All of it, these homes, these houses we build will one day fall apart. There's a house that we know in a town we lived in. I mean, this house would be gorgeous. And it's been over 15, it's been close to 15 years since we've seen it. It didn't have all the siding on it then, but I was like, man, they got to finish this. And we saw it just sit there. And now they got boards over the windows, except the boards have holes in them. Nobody's been living in this beautiful brick house, huge house. It's going to fall down. Because nobody's taking care of it. Because you're not doing the thing that needs done. What about your faith? Anything other than what we do for God is going to collapse around us. There is nothing in your life that can, you can count as solid as building your life on Jesus. Money, education, politics, spirituality, sex, comfort, success, fame, health. Even religions are all going to fail and fade. They are sinking sands. They're not going to produce one bit of foundation when the day of judgment comes. The one who builds on the rock agonizes, works, toils to make sure they are on that same rock, that narrow gate, to make sure they are on the same path that Jesus is doing. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. You want to know what foundation you and I need? It is Jesus. That's it. It's not Jesus and my knowledge. It's not Jesus and my experiences. It's not Jesus and what I can do. It is Jesus alone. He is the bedrock. He is the foundation. And without it, your life, my life, is worthless. It will collapse. It will fail. There was a man who was impatiently waiting behind a woman who was driving slowly. His Christianity was proclaimed by the few bumper stickers on his car. He even had a little cross hanging on his window. But this woman just would not drive the speed limit. And so he started honking to try and encourage her. Then he even flashed his headlights. Maybe she's deaf. I'll just start flashing my headlights and she'll know she needs to speed up or move out of the way. Some of you actually do that to people. I know, I've been in front of you. No, I don't. (laughs) Then he started raising his hands and fists. He even hit the steering wheel. He was getting so mad. He was frustrated. She will not move. And then he heard it. 
lights were coming and it wasn't for her. And the cop pulled him over and he was like, what is going on? He says, well, looking at the car and seeing what church you go to and the faith described in these bumper stickers and then seeing your actions, I just figured you stole the car. Can you imagine that happening to us? There's a few people in this room who hate, loathe slow drivers. I'm not calling you out. <laughs> oh, he wastes his hand. We need to keep our eyes not on the things around us, but on Jesus. Where are you standing right now? Most of you know, you just don't want to acknowledge it, especially on a Sunday morning. But where are you standing? One day, all that we stand upon is going to be exposed. You'll be found to be either standing on the rock of Jesus or on the folly of the world's empty promises. Where do you stand? There, there was a time, this was a very hard time for Casey and I. Um, we were after college, finally got into full-time ministry, we had one child and we wanted another one. That's what the first child does. It makes you believe you can do another one. And then the second one comes and you're like, whoop, big mistake. <laughs> but we, we were in that naivety and we thought, let's do another one. And, and so we, we were excited. I got um, ordained on January 12th and then announced to the church, the people who were there, that we're also expecting. So excited. I'm in real ministry. I, I was ordained to do it. it, it and I have another child coming. And then pain started hitting Casey. And it was really different. And so we went in and they did an ultrasound and found the baby was in the tube. A tubal pregnancy. And my first thought was, well then move it. What does this mean? And the doctor actually, he turned and he goes, this is, this is what you have to do. You have to have an abortion. If you don't, the baby will grow, it'll burst the tube, and the baby will die, and your wife will die. Like, and we looked at each other and started crying. Casey and I have a very strong stance against abortion. I love babies. We love babies. They are precious. They are a gift. Even if they're not brought into the world in the right circumstances, a baby is a blessing, always. And she said, I can't kill my baby. I said, I can't kill my baby either. And here's where the storm hit. What do we do? Do I stand on that foundation knowing what destruction could come if we don't? Or, or do we just do what the educated doctor said based on science? So we didn't sleep that night. We prayed a lot and cried. And it was like two days later, we had to go back for another ultrasound to see. And the doctor was going to ask us when we were going to schedule it. And we said, we're not doing it. You have to. But we're not. We will not do it. Knowing that I just could have given a life sentence to my wife. So they did an ultrasound. And I remember the lady who was running the machine, she had tears because I said, I can't kill my baby. And they were looking... And then they kept looking, 
and they couldn't find the baby. And they kept looking. See, that night we kept praying, God, you move my baby or you take the baby because I can't kill my baby because I believe in your word that life is sacred. The baby's gone. God took our baby. I'm going to tell you, I hate that storm. Absolutely hate that storm. Since then, I've been able to talk to other people before they've gotten in the storm and even after so we can help them. God allowed a storm to hit us and it revealed a foundation we didn't realize we were so strong on. And it has nothing to do with yea, us. It has everything to do with hallelujah, God. Because he answered a prayer, he built us, and you know what? They brought Casey and I really close. And then we decided to have more kids again. And it was scary. It was absolutely terrifying, because is this going to happen again? And he blessed us, cursed us with two boys. <laughs> And I'm not saying you have to do exactly what we did. What I'm trying to show is choosing to build your foundation before the storm is always better. Because we didn't withstand that storm on our own. That night we were in tears. That night we couldn't sleep. God was over us. He was protecting us. He was our shield and our comforts. We were able to stand because it was Jesus we were upon. The other storms, I could go into other storms we were in and we failed at them. Because we placed them on us and it was a foundation of sand. I want to keep going over here, but it's hard. It is hard because you've got to work to build on that bedrock. But it's a sure foundation. And when you're on this, even in the midst of the storm, you can hear Jesus say, be still. Where do you want to be, church? This morning, we each came here. We shared in worship to God. We, we shared in communion. We've heard word of God, and yet each one of us is going to leave. We're going to exit through the doors. And you and I are each going to have to choose where are we going to place our foot. Is it going to be on the firm foundation of Jesus, or is it going to be on the sands of our thinking, our feelings, our choices? And it starts right now. Not in the middle of the storm, but before the storms come. I'm going to tell you, storms are coming. More storms. Forget the snowstorm that's supposed to hit today. I'm talking real storms. I'm talking about storms that are going to shake your foundation, the foundation of your family. I'm talking about real storms that are going to shake our government, that are going to shake and kill churches, that are going to shake and shatter families. You choose today. As Joshua said, you choose today who you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand on the principles and the foundation of God. You go where you want. But if you want something safe and secure, it's Jesus. And that's what we want to invite you to today. You have to decide if you're going to take the scripture that we've talked about and apply it to your life. Or are you going to walk out and say, nice sermon, good job, and go and leave it alone. You have to choose, am I going to be wise according to Jesus? 
Imagine that, Jesus calling you wise because you hear his words and then you build on it, you obey it. Or do you want to be fools, like Jesus said, who hears the word and says, eh, and does it our own way. What are you going to do? We're going to have a time where we're going to sing. We're going to stand and sing real soon. And if you need to make a decision, why don't you make it today? Whether it's I'm going to start living on the faith that I know I need, on the Jesus who is the Savior, the Son of the living God. I'm going to do that purposefully, intentionally, no matter the storms. Maybe it's because of a storm you failed and you need some help. Need to hear Jesus say, Be still to all the storms so you can come hear Him. What do you need to do today? Let's stand and let's pray. God, I praise you. God, I praise you because you are over all the storms in this world. That no matter what we're going to face, you have promised, you have said, Never will you leave us, never will you forsake us. And God, I I ask that you forgive us because we fail, we forget that all the time. And Lord, right now, right now I ask you, you to stir our hearts, to stir our thoughts, make us fully knowing that you are mega powerful, that you are the one who can sustain us, that you can protect us, you can guide us through the storms, and it is only on you that we can live and succeed. God, help us not as individuals, but also as a church to build upon the foundation of your son so that we can stand together, we can proclaim your name. And even in the midst of the storm clouds and the raging waters and the fierce storm uh, winds, we can say, mighty is our God. Hallelujah, I am with Jesus. We praise you for that, God. Help us to remind, uh, remind our thoughts every day about that. Because it's in you we trust and we pray. Amen.